Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day. We're underway. It is Wednesday, February 14th, and this hour of Flames Talk is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Steinberg and uh, my Valentine, uh, Wes Gilbertson. You have no, uh, you have no say in this matter. I'm sorry. You can't, you cannot turn that down. It's been, it's been decided. All right. Well. Um, happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Might, um, I might have some explaining to do at home, but, uh, I'll take it. I'm flattered. I think, I thought there's an understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an understanding. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, of home, the flames are back at home for the first time yeah. since late January. Thought they, I might need Google maps this morning to find the rink. Well, and then once I was there, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, flames played right before the all-star break, a one, nothing win over Chicago. They have not been as a team at the dome until Wednesday morning when they practiced. And let me tell you, look, we, we've seen them play the last four games on the road and, and those who were with them on the road, uh, you know, last week's, Last week's for Eric Francis hour, we talked about this, for instance, about how, you know, Francis, who was on that trip, was talking about how there's a real, real easy to feel palpable buzz around this team right now. And that was the first thing that I picked up on after watching them practice. They had a good spirited practice and then being inside that room, there was a a real easy to pick up on buzz. There's. There's a good vibe around this group right now. And that, you know, for, for guys like you and I who were last around the group in late January, following the win over Chicago, which at the very least they were able to finish off that homestand with a win. But that homestand, that, that was not a good vibe around the team. There was not a, a good feeling around the team. They go on the break, they reset, they come back, they go three of four on a road trip, they come back home. And, and it feels different. It really does. And I don't know whether it is the new faces or the team trying to shove it down a lot of people's throats in terms of not getting respect or the elimination of some of the noise with the Lindholm trade. Maybe a, a little all of the above, but I, I picked up on it immediately. I'm curious if uh, you felt the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's a lot of possible reasons for it. You know, I, I had a conversation in the locker room not the flames locker room but playing my own uh very low level uh not beer league because it's too early in the morning hockey you know someone said geez what was going on with Lindholm because this seems like a different group since he was gone and I don't think it was a case of Lindholm as much as I really do believe and and this has sort of been reinforced in the past few games I think this group needed a break I I think because of the amount of hockey they played a few games more than any other or most other teams because of the way that they lean on their go-to guys just because of the cloud that's followed this team around I I think they really benefited from a vacation yeah but you can add a bunch of other factors into that you know the Lindholm deal is one thing off the checklist one you know one cloud that's not hovering over them I, I do believe the energy that Andre Kuzmenko has injected into this group has really made a difference. I, I think the good news about Jacob Pelche makes a difference. You know, that could have been a heavier day today if we were talking about a significant and another significant left shoulder injury for Jacob Pelche. That's not what it is. It, we're talking day to day. I think they expect him back quite soon. And so yeah, j- just for a lot of reasons, and I like the word you use palpable, like you, you could feel it down there today. It was yep. light. It was, you know, a, a lot of laughs. You wouldn't have guessed that they kind of stunk the joint out in their their last game. Well, and and the other thing is, I was I was talking, I was talking with somebody. I, I got there pretty early on on Wednesday morning just because I I was awake. I'm like, I don't, 
there's nothing to do here. I might as well. I work better away from home anyway, so I'll go get some stuff done and and sit in my my regular seat there in I don't know whatever section we're in, 108 or 109. So I said I'll just go down now. So I got there to boat. I wonder if that season ticket holder realizes what a special seat that is. Seat 14. It's always seat 14 in the second last row, right behind the visitors bench. Yep, right behind it. Second from last row, seat 14. Yep. If that's your season ticket. Pat Congra- owes you money. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and 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 just uh, you know, some somebody with the team just was walking through and and came up in the stands and they were just like, I was, "Hey, it was a good trip." Like, yeah, it's good to be home, but we liked it and and felt like they they played really well. And then I just mentioned off the the top of like just kind of mentioned off the cuff. I'm like, "Yeah, and the out of town scoreboard treated you well on Tuesday as well." And that's the first time I even have looked at the out of town scoreboard. All year long, like I just had, it's been irrelevant to me. I'm like, you know, Flames have got to start playing some good hockey before I even care about the out of town scoreboard, and they got to show me that you know there's a consistent run in them. And that road trip was the first time I felt like maybe. So I just was like, oh, you know, there's a lot of games here. St. Louis loses, L.A. loses, Nashville coughs one up. You're like, okay. So I just mentioned that, and and this person's eyes lit. I was like, yeah, it really was, and yeah. and and that was like that was like yeah, they still. They still are dialed. They still are full of belief in in terms of this playoff chase and and potentially being able to to get into one of those wild card spots. Um, so yeah, the the buzz is there, and and you know I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't know how things are going to change if when player A or B or D or Q gets traded. I don't know. Yeah. But right now, as they get set to open up a four game homestand against San Jose Thursday night. You can feel you can feel a team that's pretty excited about things right now. Well, and I think the immediate reaction to the Lindholm trade is so important in, in that sense. Like you can you can feel when a, a team is about to sort of mail it in for the rest of the season, right? I, I remember when they made the trades that they made in the lockout shortened season. Now we're going back to 2013. You know, once Bo Meester and Jerome McGinley were gone, you knew that team was just going to sort of lose the rest of the way. Mika Kiprasov was already half retired, had asked not to be traded. It was very clear that it was going to be his last season. And and you could just tell that team was going to sort of not lose out, but go, go away quietly and, you know, test a bunch of young guys and yada, yada. But you, you sort of knew how it was going to play out. And I, I think the fact that they traded their best center that they traded their leading minute man and leading minute man among forwards. And it didn't make a huge difference. Like I think they proved to each other in that room that they maybe have a little more hang around than some people have given them credit for. I think we really saw the pride of, of that group on that road trip and, and specifically on the first three nights. And, and so I think there's a sense now that, yeah, if, if Chris Tanev gets traded, we get it. Management had yep. to do that. If, if Noah Hannafin gets traded, yeah, we get it. Management had to do that. Maybe even if Jacob Markstrom gets traded, okay, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe Jacob Markstrom's angling a little more for a trade than we thought he was. Maybe maybe, maybe there's smoke there with New Jersey. Who knows? But I think they sort of feel like they can continue to hang around and even if that's not a playoff spot, sort of be proud of what they're doing on the ice. And I think that's such an encouraging sign because you've got these young guys like Zary and Pospisil and Jacob Peltz, like they're not going to stop going. And so I think there's a sense now that no matter how quote unquote bad it gets in terms of sending established guys out the door, it's not going to get as bad as people might've thought in terms of what the on ice product looks yeah. like. And I think that means something to the guys in that room. It, it, I don't know if that made any sense. It does, and 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 I guess to to sum up, kind of what what I came away with right now, it feels like they believe in the group they have. It feels like they feel like they can surprise people. They feel like the way they've played during this last four games, even the New York game, despite it not being a good first period, they feel like that's what they are. And that's what I think kind of is is the groove inside that room. I have no idea if it's going to last, how long it's going to last, how the final 29 games are going to play out. But that's kind of what I picked up on inside. They're talking to, to different guys uh, inside the room and, and just 
CNL guys were going about their business. Brad, Brad Trilliving used to always say the players know, right? The players know what they have. And this sort of pack of hyenas mentality that they talked so much about on the road trip is based on maybe not being star studded, but being deep at the different positions. And so if you look at it in that sense, yes. Did they take a hit at center when they traded Elias Lindholm? Absolutely. They did. But are they potentially, do they potentially have as much goal scoring firepower with Kuzmenko in and Lindholm out? Yeah, absolutely. They do. Is their fourth line with Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche back better than it's been at any point since November? Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Is Braden Pahal perhaps the best sixth defenseman they've had this season? Mm-hmm. Is Oliver Shillington and Braden Pahal the best third pairing they've had this season? Yeah, absolutely. You could make an argument that this team might be better than it was three weeks ago. And I, I do think they believe that. Yeah. This is... Uh... This is head coach Ryan Huska who talked today, uh, Wednesday after practice, about the group rolling through, playing some good hockey, despite all the noise, despite all the change. This was the head coach on Wednesday morning. It's something we've dealt with all year long. There's been noise from the beginning of the year around us, and I think um, our, our leadership group, led by Michael, has been fantastic at making sure that, hey, we have a job to do when we're at the rink, and this is the time when we can focus on just playing the game, and all the other stuff stays outside. So for them, I think that's our leadership group's done a really good job. But the second thing with that, when you bring in new people into your lineup, there's new energy that comes along with them. Um, and the people that we've brought back, uh, we all know Jacob Pelche. Um, he's a little bit like Kuzi, but French. Um, so he's got a bubbly personality about him. Um, Rooney coming back bringing new energy because he wants to prove that he's an NHL player. Um, Pahal coming over, uh, picked up on waivers. They're all people that want to have an impact on our lineup, and they're bringing some good energy because of that. And part of this has to be the big ball of positivity. Like Andre Kuzmenko, this first time we've been around him in person, uh, for, for those who don't travel, and he comes into the locker room. He's like a Tasmanian devil of, of like the cartoon character, but it's all positivity. Like he just yeah. comes in here and it's just like this positive <laughs> guy, hairs all over the place. He's got this massive smile. He's going over here. He's going over there. He's doing a video. He's putting a helmet on. He's testing out new skates. Like this guy is just a, a ball of positive energy. And I was like, holy cow, this guy is like dialed to 10. Like, yeah, and and we're going to hear from him in a second, but holy, he's difficult not to like it's funny you say that because I asked the same question to several players today for something that I I didn't write today but I'll write over the next few days I I asked several guys if you had to describe Andre Kuzmenko to someone who'd never met him what would you tell them and Blake Coleman said exactly what you said he said he's like a cartoon character (laughs) and I you know the interview then kind of paused because I I was picturing it. I heard you ask him. Now it all makes sense. I heard you ask about what cartoon character. It it makes perfect sense. You know, when he came to meet the media, he's walking out of the room and a bunch of people are are waiting to talk to him. And one of the Flames top-notch comm staff says, hey, you got to talk to these guys first. And, you know, he kind of slaps his face a few times and plays with his hair. And he's like, okay, let's go. Like the guy is an absolute riot. And just listen to this. Like this is uh this wasn't his entire chat with us. He's all over the place, but like it's we're gonna request him every game because of this. Uh this was Andre Kuzmenko in his welcome to Calgary media scrum on Wednesday morning. This is very interesting. I'm excited at his home games. It's very interesting. And uh first uh four games for me it's Done good, play is done good, but I hope it's better. I hope it's everyday work. Cause, uh, my form is a little, it's not good, but it's everyday work. Because uh, I understand uh, what I can show on ice. It's not my maximum, it's, uh, I won't help this team. It's got to feel good though to score right away and the fans are off you now a little yes, bit. I won't, I won't score, I won't help this team, <laughs> I won't show. Did you come to Calgary before the road trip? Yes, is uh, I think one more time. Yes, on the two, I don't, I don't remember. 
I don't walking. I stay in the hotel. But now I see as I like it is uh, everyday sun. It's a very important moment. <laughs> but minus. <laughs> 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 you yes, yes. It's for me. It's uh, don't worry. It's okay because it's a. Uh, uh, where, is, where I born? It's my city. It's Yakutsk. Cause usually it's minus sixty, minus fifty. His record is minus seventy-five. Yes, I remember is walking five minutes in outside. As I say, mom, mom, can you please walk? Okay, there's a lot of snow, and they take the snow. I five minutes stay. Let's go back. Because for me, it's okay. It's a minus 30, 40, 50. It's okay. It's usually, I remember what is it. And uh, doesn't matter. It's a good city and a good uh, team. is a good guy, very good guy. I like it. This team is support to me every time. And uh, it's done. It's good. So yeah. you'd rather have it be cold and sunny than warmer but rainy? Here's <laughs> this question. Eh? You don't have to answer. Sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> how have you? Uh, how have you like playing with Jonathan? Hi, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the last question. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, oh, was uh, so great, great hockey, great, great players. He's a very good guy. He's a very happy guy. He's a big support for me. I say sorry, I have a mistake. It's huge. It's okay. It's okay. Push. Let's go. Let's go. Don't worry. And a very good guy. And uh, Yegor Shangovic and uh, a good guy too. And uh, very good players. But uh, I need a more pace, I need a more good place because uh, mm, very important relationship in this locker room because I, I won't show is uh, who I, what I can on ice. I won't show is my maximum. I wait this moment when I can show. <laughs> Andre, have you always been this guy that's been this upbeat, positive kind of life of the party? Like, like have you always been this, this type of character? or? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, you know, the guy is for me positive. I'm positive to two more, three more. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a very important moment for me. How is a uh, big relationship in the locker room is mm -hmm. this team? Yes, is a uh, and this guy is happy to me. I won't uh, give three more, two more, four more energy mm -hmm. for going nice. It's a very important moment for me and uh, all guys. It's okay. okay. It's good. There you go. It's uh, Andre Kuzmenko. Like, and that, like sometimes us media dorks, we, we give the fake laugh. Like we pretend something's really funny sometimes when, I don't know, maybe it wasn't as funny as we made it out to be. Like that, I, I was like actually. Yeah, that, that was awesome. The, when, when he was, when Danny asked him the question about the weather and he's like. He kind of does this zigzag does, like, motion with, with his, his hands. Head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need to get out of this. And he's like, I don't understand the question. It was, by the way, I just looked this up right now. I did not know this. Did you know that uh, where Andrei Kuzmenko was born at Yakutsk, Russia, no idea if I'm saying that right or not, but he's only 450 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle um, and is one of the northernmost big cities in the world. Um, average, the, the daily average temperature um, in January is minus 37. That's the average Minus Woo. 37. The record low in January is minus 63. In February, minus 64. That makes so, that makes Calgary look like it's tropical. Yeah, so he was not lying about no. that today. Mm. No, not at all. I was like, okay. All right. I'm just looking at right now. By the way, our record low, the, our coldest ever is minus 55. Minus sixty four, where he's from. Minus sixty four, yeah. Woo. I don't. I don't encourage anybody yeah. to be out in any of that. Yeah. A little further north, Yakutsk than Calgary. So All right. there you go. Um, um, next up in sports.
Here's uh, and this is Ryan Huska who was asked about Andre Kuzmenko as well. I do believe he's going to be a fan favorite. Just when people see the um, the energy that he he brings to the table, like always smiling, and people like that. It's infectious. So um, he's got a skill set about him too that I think will endear him to some people around here. When the puck's on his stick, he wants to score and he knows he can score, and that's a good thing for an offensive player to have. And he gives us another threat that we didn't really have before, especially on our power play. So. I think Andre Kuzmenko has definitely given the group a shot in the arm, hey? Like, it just, it, it's impossible not to see how that would rub off on a group. Yeah, and I, I think part of it, too, is the effort level you see from him. This this is a guy who clearly knows the defensive question marks that followed him here from Vancouver. Here's a guy who I think is determined to show that he shouldn't have been the odd man out for a contender that, that he could do more to, to help a team be successful. And I think we've seen that in his play so far. And so I think that's an important message to the group too. Like even we, we all saw the video clip after the win in Boston, where I think his, his speech when he gets his first goal puck is, go playoffs let's go or we go to playoffs yeah something along those lines and and you can just tell what that means to the group again you know we talked earlier about some people thinking that this team if they trade certain players is ready to kind of parachute out of out of the picture or or parachute out of giving a hoot about making the playoffs well in that locker room that is just absolutely not the case and i think you could feel that belief today as we hung around and chatted with the guys for a first for the first time i'm sorry in a couple of weeks yep pretty cool good on him and uh the other good piece of news was jacob pelche day to day we had got some we got some kind of reports on the text line on tuesday at 960 about how jacob was at a an event i believe at the children's hospital and uh there was a, a bit of a meet and greet and wasn't wearing a sling and, and had told people that yeah he's doing okay he's doing okay now jacob did not practice with the team on wednesday morning but he's day-to-day with an upper body injury so jonathan huberdo is uh is happy about that put a lot of work you know to, to come back and you know sucks for him to to kind of go back on on that but i was happy that it was you know minor and, and being a Hard one, so gotta take care of my son. So, (laughs) (laughs) gotta take care of his son. More good vibes in there. See, like everybody's cracking jokes, and yeah, gotta take care of his son. I had a I had a good chat with Kevin Rooney today, and and one of the things that I asked him, and and for those who don't know, and I think most do, but he and Jacob Pelche went through the shoulder surgery surgery and recovery, essentially joined at the hip started skating, had the surgeries almost the same day, started skating basically the same time, assigned to the Wranglers at the same time, back with the Wranglers, back with the Flames, all all at the same time. Took the flight from Los Angeles to Boston to meet the team after the bye. Like, these two guys have been joined at the hip. And so I said to him, well, what sort of knot did you have in your stomach when he leaves favoring that shoulder? And Kevin Rooney was telling me as soon as we got to the first intermission, I went to the trainer's room and I just asked Kent Kabelka, the head physiotherapist, is it the same thing? And that's what the entire city was wondering, right? Is it the same injury? And so today's announcement that Jacob Pelche is day to day to hear Ryan Huska say, we expect him back sooner than later. It's not the same thing. Yep. And for both the player and the team and, and quite frankly, the fan base, that's just really yep. good news. And through all this, Flames have played some pretty good hockey here. Um, they, they The first three games out of the All-Star break, Dynamite, um, uh, they, they were clearly the better team in all three of those games. They, they definitely were not as good as the Rangers for the balance of Monday's game, but it's not like they were bad for the final 40 minutes of play. But, you know, New York's a damn good team, and, and they were the home team, and they were full marks for the victory, but you didn't come away from that game saying, no, Flames were garbage, and uh, they didn't play their game. Now, through 20 minutes, that was true, but they put a brutal 20 minutes behind them. Thanks to Jacob Markstrom, no worse for wear, and they played better the final 40, and the Rangers played well, too, and the Rangers beat him straight up, and Igor Shesterkin was pretty good himself between the pipes. But, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, four pretty solid games, contributions up and down the lineup, good goaltending, 
I've been really impressed with how the fourth line's chipped in. It's what I talked to uh, Blake Coleman about, because that's kind of the other part of this. Good vibes, they're happy, they're enjoying things, and I think they're playing by far their best overall hockey coming out of the All-Star break since going back to early last season when they started 5-1. and one. That's the last time that I felt this good about the way the Flames are playing as a team. Uh, chatted with Blake Coleman inside the Flames locker room. A little bit about that on Wednesday morning. I just wanted to ask that that four games. I know it didn't end the way that you you wanted, but you know, twelve periods where it felt like the the group played a pretty consistent brand. It, is that maybe the first time all year you felt like this is what this group can be like when when you're kind of hitting on all cylinders. We've had shades of it, but obviously this was a bit of a different group. You know, we got you know, Koozie's brought a lot of life and energy to our team, and um, you know, Runes, Pelts. Obviously, we had the setback here with Pelts, but you know, some fresh bodies that. They didn't just come in and play. They came in and they were infective and um, added to the strength of our team. So, um, yeah, everyone's enjoying it. We're bought into that whole pack mentality right now. And, um, you know, probably could have put a better effort, you know, at the Garden. But uh, I think you look at that trip going in and you say you take three out of four and you'd be feeling pretty good. So that's the way you got to look at it. With, you mentioned that, that line with Rooney and, and those three that's kind of the when you talk about playing four lines and, and coming at you in four lines that's that's what it's all about when you've got a line playing like that hey yeah we've been missing it i think you know we were looking for the right combination to to be able to roll four lines and play four lines and um you know they kind of forced hus hand in that sense that they were very effective from you know really their first few shifts together so um you know, not sure how long pelts will be out, but you know the other two are uh, are still with us, and whoever they slide in's got to do the same job. And um, you know, a team of four lines is a lot more dangerous than a team of three, obviously. You uh, you talk about that pack mentality. I know a lot of people glommed on to to what Naz said. Is it, but is that is that a a good rallying cry for the group in in terms of the way you need to play? Yeah, I think it's been the mo of our team all year. I think. You know, it's been pretty clear that we're not, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but we're not a, a one-line team that's going to have guys steal you games. We need to be uh, four lines and everybody going and, and 60. And, um, you know, we saw when, when it's going and when everyone's doing their pulling their weight, it looks really good and, and we look really good. And, you know, when it's not, it's not. So, um, you know, it's just finding that consistency and the ability to do it, you know, over 80, 90 percent of the games. Wanted to ask you about about your trio and on that road trip, even more defensive responsibility for your group. It's just that that, that doesn't really change your mo, though. You, you all three, you seem really comfortable. Doesn't matter how many times you're starting in your own end. Yeah, it's familiar territory, obviously for us. But um, that's what we are first and foremost. We're checking line, and we're going to have the tough matchups, and, and you know we embrace it. And um, you know the way I've always looked at my game and, and my lines game. Is uh, and, you know I got to be net positive at the end of the night, and um, you know we weren't we were not at uh, MSG, and it ended up being the difference in the game. So you know to that point, I think you know for the most part we're pretty consistent. You know all year, I think uh, that game was a bit of a slip for us. So we just got to get right back to where we need to be. And finally, I just wanted to ask you about Kevin, and you know he jumps back in, hadn't played in the NHL in, in more than a year, and then is right first over the boards on that first penalty killing pair. Like as as a killer yourself, how how much of a challenge is that to jump right back in and be one of the primary penalty kill guys right away? Well, you got to believe in yourself, and you know I know Kev does, and he's he's done it at a high level. He's done it in the playoffs. He's done it, you know, in, in high pressure situations. So, um, you know, I think. More so the volume of time that he was out with the injury is the big thing, right? Because you're just trying to get your footing back in those first few games. And there's some pressure that comes with, you know, jumping onto that first pair and playing big minutes for us. And um, he's done a great job. And he was a piece we've been, you know, we knew we needed, uh, you know, more guys to step up and be good killers for us. And um, we knew that's, you know, a lot of his value and what he brings. And, um, you know, he's delivered already. That's uh, Blake Coleman. I had a chance to chat with him. In the locker room on Wednesday morning, good tough stuff to, there. Tough to really pull good, good stuff. Tough to pull a good interview out of that guy. Well, it takes a, a mediocre reporter, <laughs> and I, I think you uh, you just fit Woo! the bill. Yeah, <laughs> he's always. I try not to ask him I, very often. I have to be nice because you're my Valentine allegedly, 
And so, not allegedly. I'm I'm willing, you know, today, Feb 14, I'm willing to go mediocre. Hey, I'll take it. (laughs) I will take it. Uh, I try not to ask for Blake very often just because, like, you know, he knows he's a good interview. So it's like, okay, stop it. Enough. I don't need to talk to you again. You know, once every few months, I'll I'll ask him. And I thought it was good time coming out of the All Star break. Team's playing well. Mm -hmm. One of the leaders inside that room, no doubt about it. So they're playing well. Should have been at the All Star game. Should have been at the All Star game. Agreed. Especially because the Flames didn't have anybody who went to the All-Star game. Well, that's Craig Conroy's fault. Yeah, thanks, Craig. <laughs> uh, a few texts at 960-960. Just kind of all over the place on, on this first segment. Uh, on the Flames coming out of the All-Star break, playing well. This guy says, won't last, buddy. They won't get two-thirds of their points. This team always has a fake February stretch. Uh, this on Kuzmenko, captivating that was, interview. That was uplifting, by the way. I, really, I feel I feel very uplifted. Uh, on Kuzmenko, captivating interview. I love the part where they ask, so you prefer sunny and cold over warm and rainy? And despite his limited English skills, he instantly recognizes the guy's trying to get him to compare Calgary to Vancouver and artfully dodges it with humor. Yeah, take that, Danny Austin. Kuzmenko one, Austin nothing. Yeah, shout out. Um, this uh, says Kuzmenko is actually really funny and outgoing, not common for a hockey player. Uh, Mick says... Uh, I've watched Kuzmenko a lot in Vancouver. I love how he encourages his teammates, love his skill. Uh, This says, uh, all this good energy and vibes are great, and it's nice to see some wins, but let's be realistic. Markstrom's traded. This team's going to be absolutely exposed. His play's been masking some big holes and breakdowns. He's been great, and and nobody's disputing how important it's We had a long chat about that yesterday, how if if you do trade Jacob Markstrom, you're committing to being worse for the remainder of this season there there's no question and with all due respect to both Dan Vladar who skated this morning by the way not with the main group but Before. first first step in his recovery from and they a, had all three body. goalies in the room with stalls yeah as well, full and, stalls and so no disrespect to to Dan or to Dustin Wolf but whichever guy would be between the pipes on a nightly basis that's a drop-off this season from Jacob Marsham, 100%, no question. And finally, Harry and Alboya says, um, if you're behind the visitor's bench, you're in section 109, row 12, seat 14. Is that Harry's seat? I don't know if that's your seat, Harry. But if you uh, if you are season ticket holder in section 109, row 12, seat 14, I sit in your seat a lot of the time. A lot? Yeah. The oh. whole time. Well, no, I like, uh, like I would, I think I sit in your seat more than you sit in your seat. Anyone ever take that seat on you? Sometimes, and I get really, yeah, like that. Are you assertive? Are you passive aggressive? How do you, how do you handle it? I just, I just take my lumps. You I'm just like, nope. stew. If I'm not here in time to get my seat, okay. then I better go sit somewhere else. But then it means I'm going to have a crap rest of the day. You know, if if we're ever squabbling, you'll know because you're going to get to the rink and I'm going to be parked right there in seat 14. I'll be just devastated. With my backpack on 13 and my jacket on 15. Just, just so, asserting it. Yeah, him. get the hint. And uh, that would be saying something because then I'd, I'd have to physically get a jacket out of the closet, take one to the rink for the first time ever, and so you'll know you'll know I'm mad. Oof. I don't want I don't want to see you mad. That sounds <laughs> terrifying. Uh, we're underway. It's Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Flamestock is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Wednesday Daily Flames Roundtable now brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills open on family day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. It's funny, I, I uh, and, and Willsy, I, I asked you this one at practice on Wednesday, um, asked, asked you and Megan Mickelson this question and then asked it to Wes while we were waiting to get inside the room as well. And, you know, I just, I don't know why it, it came to my mind to do the look at the ice time. Actually, you know what? I do know why. Because of the way they were running lines at practice. That's what got me to do it. And I just went and looked at the four games they've played since coming off the All-Star break and, and since the Lindholm trade. And so I'll, I'll straight up ask you, um, back against the wall, 
You've got to give me your answer right now. Who's the number one line on this team? Which is the number one line on the Calgary Flames and why? Well, I do have the advantage of having had this conversation with you a few hours ago. So I know where you're going to go with it, which means I'm going to go in a different direction. I guess it really depends on your definition of a number one line. And I'll let you give your definition in a minute. But for me, my definition is your best offensive line. So my number one line is the new look line of Diego Sharangovich between Jonathan Huberto and Andre Kuzmenko. You've got your two best shooters in Sharangovich and Kuzmenko and your best passer in Huberto, who's started to look a lot more like the guy, maybe not the guy who put up 115 points for the Panthers a couple of years ago, but a lot more like that guy than the guy who had 55 points with the Flames last season. He's been dynamic offensively and creating a lot for himself and even more so for his two new line mates. So I'm going to go with the threesome of Sharon Govich, Huberto, and Kuzmenko as my number one line. I have a very uh, similar definition to you, Wilsey. I, I agree. It, it's your most dangerous offensive line. I, I just picked a different trio because mm. what I saw on the road trip, and I think they'll be eventually overtaken by that Huberto, Sharon Govich, Kuzmenko line, but I still think Nazem Kadri between those two kids is the most dangerous offensive line that this team has right now. And I think, you know, the closest we saw to a goal Monday in New York, in, in fact, probably the closest three or four opportunities we saw to a goal from a forward, I thought came from that line. You know, I, I remember Connor Zary ringing one off the post. I remember a really good glove save that Shesterkin had to make on Nazem Kadri. And so while I do think this is an especially interesting conversation because there's really three different ways you can go. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the round table is going to be split three different directions. <laughs> For me, the most dangerous line they have right now, the line that I think has the most consistent chance of putting the puck back in the back of the net is Kadri and the kids. It's, it's a fascinating one because you are both bang on in terms of, um, you know, it's all about the definition of the line. So I, I, I thought about this one because I knew I was going to ask it. And I, I honestly don't know if I have an answer. And I'll, I'll surprise you, Wilsey, because so here's, here's why I'm so confused by it. Because so I, I watch practice on Wednesday morning, right? And every time through, um, and, and, you know, typically they will skate lines the way they line them up on the depth chart behind closed doors. And every single time through, it was the Backland line first, then the Kadri line, then the Sharon Govich line. And so I was just thinking to myself, huh, I wonder what the ice times would say on the lines. And so in all four games on the road trip, it was the Backland line that led the way in five-on-five five ice time, whether there were a couple of games where they were with 11 forwards or the two games where they didn't lose a forward. Obviously, the Boston game, Pospisil got kicked out, and the Rangers game, Pelche had to leave. So they played two of the four games with 11 forwards for a vast majority. But the... Um, the the Boston game, the Backland line, uh, 10 minutes and 27 seconds of five-on-five five ice time led the team. Uh, there was also a lot of mixing and matching, so maybe not the, the, most, um, the most representative. So then I go to the Devils game. Uh, Devils 13.06, the Backland line played more than almost two full minutes more than the Kadri line played and exactly three full minutes more than the Sharon Govich line played. Then the Islanders game, Backland line played 15.28, more than four minutes at five-on-five, five, more than both the Kadri and the Sharon Govich line. Line, four minutes of five-on-five five time. And then uh, uh, on the Monday game against the Rangers, 11.49 for the Backland line to lead the team. few seconds more than the Kadri line, two and a half minutes more than the Sharon Govich line. So it just got me thinking because, you know, it, I, I, I asked myself that question and I tried to put myself before looking at those numbers. I'm like, what would I say? And I said to myself, yeah, probably the, the Sharon Govich line too, Wills. Yeah, that would be the line that I would have gone with too. And then I got myself second-guessing myself because it's very clear what Ryan Huska and the coaching staff view as their most important line or the line that needs the most minutes right now. And so now I don't have, like, I, I try to have answers, but now I don't have an answer. And I guess my answer is I don't think they've got one because 
yeah, and the Sharon Govich line or the Kadri line are both the offensive lines that, that you're going to lean on for. You need, you need a big goal. But if you need to shift momentum, if you need to calm things down, if you need to win the, a, a final 90 seconds of a period to get into an intermission with a lead or get into an intermission tied, you know what line's going out. So for me, this is fascinating because all four games since the Lindholm trade, it hasn't been close at five-on-five five who Ryan Huska has leaned on most, and that's the backland line. And yet prior to looking at those numbers, I would have gone another direction in terms of who the number one line is. So it's a long, uh, that's a long explanation as to why Will's he, I, I don't even know if I have an answer on it. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, I think sure. it's fascinating. Yeah, I'm not sure there is a right answer. Um, it really, again, depends on your definition of what a number one line is. And I think that uh, in a way we all had the right answer and the right answer might depend on the night and on the opponent. If you were to ask the question in a different way and say, who is the Flames' most important line? Or what is the Flames' most important line? I'd have a hard time arguing against the Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane, Blake Coleman line. But again, for me, a number one line is your number one scoring line. So that, even if it's not yet, I believe that's going to be Sharon Govich in between Huberto and... Kuzmenko. Again, you've got your two best shooters and your best passer, and I think the more time they spend together, the more time Sharon Govich has to acclimate to playing down the middle, whereas the centerman, he's got way more responsibilities than he does as a winger, isn't in a position to one-time the puck as often as he was, and I think that's why the offense has dried up a little bit for him, but I also think that he's going to adapt, and he's going to get better playing center, and I think this is a great experiment for the Flames because they just traded a guy who was their number one center for a number of years in Elias Lindholm. They're going to have to, at some point in time, replace him. Maybe they replace him internally with Nazem Kadri or with Connor Zeri, who has spent his rookie season playing on left wing, but has played a lot of center in his life. And maybe once he gets some more experience in this league and becomes more comfortable, they they try him down the middle. So... Again, I'm not sure there's a right answer or a wrong answer, and uh, I think you both make very valid points. I think on some nights, the Kadri and the kids line has been A, their best line, and B, their number one line. But uh, four games in, I'm going to stick with the, the group that I picked. Have we heard, boys, from Kevin Rooney or Walker Dewar on the text line? Because I think that's the only <laughs> line that didn't get a mention. Yeah. it's. Um, I don't think that they have texted in yet, and if they want to, it's 960, 960. Um, it's funny. The, the last thing that I'll say before we move on to topic two, a text comes in and makes a really good point. It says it'll be interesting to see how those numbers compare now that they're back at home, because yeah. I, I, with, with home ice, you've got a little bit more of an ability to match your lines and, and tailor your lines so that you can give it a little bit more of an even split. Whereas on the road, especially as one line is working itself out and, and doesn't know a lot about one another yet through four games, that's the, the, the Sharon Govich line, you're probably, and, and with some of the defensive deficiencies that trio may have, um, you're probably a little more careful as to how you use them, whereas you just know, that's why I asked Ryan Huska the question on, on Wednesday morning, you just know that if you need an important shift, it's the backland line, and it yeah. doesn't matter who they're going out there against. So I wonder now they start a four-game homestand if I go and look at it and if those numbers are a little closer to like 11-ish for all three lines that we're talking about at five-on-five. Five. Well, and this conversation would have been a little bit different or a lot different if you had phrased it, who is the Calgary Flames most trusted line, right? Because Wilsey would have said the backland line and I would have said, yeah. And you would have said, yeah. And then we would have been onto the second topic in about 25 seconds. There's no doubt that that is the crew that Ryan Huska has the most faith in. But I, I think to the text lines point, we might see them play a little bit less at home just because the Flames can control the matchups. Yep. Um, and uh, this text comes in. It's a perfect way to segue to our next question. It says, I think Markstrom's their number one line. So, in saying that, uh, it's our Daily Flames roundtable. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg. Um, this Markstrom stuff's out there. And, and I don't know how much of it is fully accurate. I don't know how much, like, th- there's, there's a lot of differing views on it. You know, there's reports. You know, Frank Saravalli told us on, on Tuesday that 
it was essentially done and didn't get done. There are other thoughts that maybe it wasn't quite that close. There's definitely some questions about how much the Markstrom representation is pushing this story as it stands right now. Uh, and look, Pat Morris is as good as they come in terms of... Was it not Pat Morris who got the Jack Heichel deal done? Um, like this Sounds familiar. Th- th- this guy's very good at exerting pressure. But the point is, the Markstrom cat's out of the bag. Since Saturday night and Elliot Friedman's report, the cat's out of the bag. So my question now is, can the toothpaste go back in the tube on this one for the Flames? Is there a way to mitigate this one now that it is a talking point for everybody in the hockey world right now? For me, it depends on who let the cat out of the bag or squeezed the toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. (laughs) Here's your two analogies, Pat. If it was Pat Morris, and this is a story that he wanted out there, I think it's going to be tough because he's the guy representing Jacob Markstrom and speaking on his behalf. Now, there have been occasions where agents have spoken, quote unquote, on behalf of their client, but uh, were later found to be a little bit out of line in doing so and maybe not representing uh, the client to the best of their ability. But now we're talking about uh, an established agent here who has a really good reputation. So if uh, this is out there because uh, Jacob Markstrom and his representation wants it out there, then uh, I think it's going to be tough to put the cat back in the bag or the toothpaste toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube here but if it's just a a rumor then sure I think you can move past it and uh, it might be as simple as Jacob Markstrom addressing us and other members of the media and uh, doing that himself but uh, we're going to find out soon enough I mean we're less than what three weeks away from the NHL's trade deadline and uh, if he doesn't get dealt by March 8th this is a question that will go away for at least a little while but even if he doesn't get traded before the deadline I still think there's at least a chance, whether it's an inside chance or an outside chance, that he gets dealt before the start of next season. If you don't have a goaltender, you don't have a chance. So with a number of teams that consider themselves to be strong Stanley Cup contenders now or are trying to become one of those types of teams that don't have a legitimate number one goaltender, they're looking for one. And Jacob Markstrom has played at a Vesna Trophy level Uh, This season, he's back to being the guy who we saw two seasons ago when he finished second to the Rangers, Igor Shosturkin in Vesna Trophy voting. So, uh, yeah, if if there are teams out there looking for goaltenders and they think Jacob Markstrom is available, I'd be calling Craig Conroy and asking the question, will you trade him? If so, what will you trade him for? And then it would be up to the team to go to the player and say, are you willing to go to, to place A, B or C? So. Uh, I think it it could be tough to to really bury this thing before March 8th. And then even if it gets buried before then, I'm not sure it's going to be buried uh, during the offseason. That's for sure. You know, guys, the one thing I'd say is that the hockey news cycle moves pretty fast in the lead up to the trade deadline. And last week it was all about Chris Tanev and where could he get traded. And then it was all about Noah Hannafin. And, And now for the past two days, it's been all about Jacob Markstrom and, we haven't talked very much about Tanev or to a lesser extent Hannafin. And so while I do think this storyline will sort of go away slightly over the next couple of days, the questions about where Jacob Markstrom wants to be and whether the Flames are committed to or whether they think the best course of action is keeping Jacob Markstrom, those questions aren't going away until March 8th. Or until, I suppose, Jacob's traded, if that happens sooner. And so, you know, this is going to be another cloud. This is going to be another cloud of speculation that's going to follow this team. They've done a really good job of blocking all that out, and they've really had no choice. But it's going to be really fascinating to see where this goes. Because if it is indeed true that Jacob Markstrom was willing to waive his no-trade clause to go to New Jersey, if those conversations are starting to take place, I don't know where it goes over the next three weeks. Yeah, it's, um, I think, I think number one, I do think, I I don't know if you can put the toothpaste back in, 
But I, and by the way, that's full credit. Rob Kerr taught me that one. I made fun of him when he did it. That's a great analogy. Um, it is a good one. It, it's a good one. But I think that you can like rinse it away. Like you may not be able to put it back, but I think you can rinse it away for a couple of different reasons. To, to Wes's point about the new cycle moves quick. And by by Friday, we could be talking about Hannafin again, or we could be talking about another player, or we, whatever the case may be, right? So I think that helps. I think them continuing to play well helps. And specifically, guys, like we played a clip on Tuesday's show from Mackenzie Weger on our post game about Jacob Markstrom. Like they also know how well this guy is playing, and so this is a, this is a group that. Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdeau both got traded after winning the President's Trophy. Uh, and, you know, Blake Coleman signed in Calgary after winning two Stanley Cups. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in here who understand the business. And nobody, Noah Hannafin has had this hanging over him all season long. Do you get the sense from anybody inside that room that Noah Hannafin is a detrimental fa- uh, force or, you know, a distraction for him or anything like that. I get that Lindholm might have been because it clearly was weighing on him a little bit more. But with how important Jacob has been to the team this year and with how crucial he's going to be between now and March 8th or now and whatever day he gets traded this year or now until the end of the season if he doesn't get traded. I, I don't I don't really think you have to worry about where that toothpaste is going. I'm I'm I think they'll be fine. I really do on this one because I think everybody inside that room knows exactly what Jacob Markstrom is as a teammate, as a pro, as a goalie, as a leader, as a culture setter. And so I don't think anybody would ever suggest this guy's quitting on him or anything like that. So I I, I honestly don't worry about it. I re- I really don't, guys. No, and that's fair. I mean, look at how well he has performed since uh, the speculation really started to ramp up. He was named the NHL's first star for last week, despite the fact that uh, you could argue that there was some speculation going into and certainly coming out of that Devils game since they had the, they're the team that's been tied to him. And, and there certainly was uh, uh, before the Islanders game and even more so after the game because that's when the Elliot Friedman a report came out on Saturday headlines. So, you know, Jacob Markstrom has been and continues to be a consummate professional. A couple of other things that could at least quiet the noise. If a team like the Devils were to acquire another goaltender, UC Saros's name is out there. You know, if they make a move for him, then there's one less team that could potentially be interested in Jacob Markstrom. And then the other thing is if the Flames move on from Dan Vladar. Because the one thing that uh, I think we all agree on, and I think most Flames fans would be on the same page about, is that between now and the start of next season, the Flames are going to move a goaltender to open up a spot for Dustin Wolf. The question is, which goaltender is going? Yeah. Yep. Um, well, that was, a, that was a fun one, and I got to use that analogy, and I think it disturbed Derek Wills, you, and that made me happy. You were committed to it. Too. I really yeah, was. Yeah, you really saw it through, so I, kudos there. You know, that's how I do. When I have an analogy, I really like to keep it going. <laughs> uh, thank you for bearing you know what, with guys? me. Yeah. The, the wine might not be going back into the wine bottle after the sip. Ah! Well, I, enc- <laughs> I encourage you to make certain of that. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. See you at the Dome for uh, Morning Skate for the Flames and Sharks. Thanks, Willsie. Okay, guys, have a good one. He's Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap things up this hour, thanks to uh, Shannon Cam, our producers this hour as well. And that'll do it for our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport.